We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Steven Adams is a monster, man. He's a, <laughs> he's a monster like somebody from Game of Thrones or something. Like, we call him uh, Gandalf because, like, he's never early or late. He's always <laughs> at the right time. And my job is to never stop. Regardless of percentages, I don't really give a damn about percentages, honestly. All I care about is wins. If y'all didn't quite get it, let me say it again, I'm here to stay. Hello! Welcome to the Uncontested podcast where we cover the NBA, OKC, Thunder, pop culture. You can find our episodes on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, and our website, theuncontestedsports.com. I'm the Thunder Mob, Jacob. Today I am joined in the room, three feet away from me, making weird faces. Call me R. And not in the room, about 300 miles away, I am joined by Nick. Thank God I am not in the room. Oh, you wish you were in this room. You're missing out, buddy. You're missing out. I'm sitting underneath the sword of Godric Gryffindor. It, it's pretty cool, although it's crooked on the wall. Yeah. And every time Kamiar backs up his chair, he hits it and it almost falls. Sometimes things that are supposed to be really straight and hard are sometimes crooked. So. Okay. Happens. Yeah. They make pills for that, I think, though. Yeah. Totagra. Yeah. Anyways, we're going to talk about some basketball. Uh, the Thunder just played the corpse of the New York, new not New York, New Orleans Pelicans. New Orleans. That were missing like literally everybody on their roster. So we're going to talk about that game. We are going to talk about the all-star starters and captains. The recent Thunder stretch. Go around the association a bit and, and then wrap this bad boy up. So that's the docket. Let's uh, let's jump into this New Orleans game. Come here, take it away. Yeah, so we went to the New Orleans game this evening at the peak. 
The crowd was excited. I was expecting a blowout win because, of course, no Anthony Davis. Then you find out last night, no Nikola Mirotic. And then you find out later on this afternoon, no Julius Randle. And then Antoine Moore is just hanging out. He just, I guess he just wanted to rest. So pretty much everybody is that could hurt OKC was out except, of course, Drew Holiday, who plays at the university, who played at the University of Central Los Angeles, who is still not as good as Russell Westbrook, and uh, it was pretty much a game that OKC had in hand the entire time. It was like always being stretched out between a fourteen and a seventeen point lead somewhere around there. And then at the end, it got pretty ter- uh, terrifying. It got down to, like, what, a five-point lead at one point? Yep, and Paul George was missing free throws, and Russ missed free throws. Russ missed two consecutive free throws twice. Mm-hmm. I don't know why that surprises you. Like, he'd been, he'd been on, for the most part, and been making his free throws, and then all of a sudden, at the end of the game, he misses two pairs of free throws. But for the most part... They dominated the game. They dominated the game so much on the offensive on the offensive, offensive glass as far as uh, with the starters in. They dominated in the pick and roll with Steven Adams in so much that Alvin Gentry had to take out Julio Okafor. Did you all notice that? Yep. Uh, Chuck Diallo closed the game out because he just uh, – Okafor could not handle Steve. Now, Okafor had some good offensive moves tonight, though. He hit Steve with like a spin and dunk that like legitimately like caught me off guard. Yeah, it was impressive, but still, Steve just took gave everybody the business, and he had 18 in the first quarter, right? Oh, wow. Check Diallo was a plus 15 tonight. Yeah, he played really well, and he, but Steven Adams, he scored a lot early again. He was the leading scorer up until basically the end of the game, uh, where then they had 23 guys score 20, and I think PG overtook all of them, or Russ did, one of the two, but Steven Adams was one of the highest scorers. He got a double-double. And he really dominated on both ends. It got to the point where, you know, like I said, Gentry took out Jaw, uh, Jaleel Okafor. You know, PG had a good night. Terrence Ferguson started to cool down from three a little bit. Yeah, only two of eight. He he made some other plays that were pretty good, that were pretty, you know, impactful. And then Patrick Patterson, nine points off the bench, was really big, especially when a night like Schroeder was having that. Nothing really seemed to, like... Was Schroeder passive to y'all? He just didn't like... It looked like tonight he just wasn't feeling it. A little bit. I thought there was times where he kind of took over. But for the most part, yeah, I thought he was mildly passive. What do you think, Nick? I mean, I don't know if he was necessarily passive. Um, I think it was one of those games. Maybe he didn't feel like he needed to do as much. And he kind of just you know laid back and, and let what was working keep working. Yeah, it's fair. So OKC dominated rebounds, fifty-eight to forty-two. There were fourteen. That's of, good compared to recently. Yeah, no joke. Especially, I mean, that was something that the Oklahoma City staff really preached to OKC. But I mean, like, you better you better win the damn re- rebound battle. Yeah, that's there, why this team wins. If there's no, well, you better win the rebound battle. If there's no Anthony Davis or Julius Randle. Yeah, and two of New Orleans' first four buckets tonight were Jalil Okafor offensive rebound tippins. Timeout. And then Billy immediately ti- called a timeout, yep. and I assume got in their ass and said, get on the glass. You got in their ass. Got in their ass glass. and got on the glass. Yep, that's the name of the podcast. But anyways. Welcome to Get on the Glass and In My uh, Ass. Go, my This you, is you need to your edit, host, stop, Jacob. Please talking. Okay. All right. Well, anyways, they rebounded them by 16, 
14 to 32 from three, which is about right for this Thunder team. The Thunder bench, 28 points. You know, not so high in some instances. Dennis was 10 and five. Noel, six and three. Nader, three and four. Patterson was a good spot. I mean, he had trouble. And the only issue I have with Patterson, really, like, he played well offensively. Like, he got dirty buckets. He got a three in the corner. But something they had a problem with him was he was always late to contest on the backside. Yeah, he was crashing down in the paint too much and, and, and was, was late to get out to the shooters. It was, it was leaving the three-pointers wide open for them. Yep. And that's my only knock on him, and he does that consistently. That's not anything new to us. So that's why I'm thinking, like, man, like, I really wish you could have Abrinas in there and you put Nader at the four. But at the same time, Nader's not going to give you enough weight inside. Yep. So that's why I think OKC's looking for another big man, maybe a little more agile on his feet. Uh, six players scored in double figures. Uh, Pat, of course, would have made seven if he had scored one more point. And then you have Russell Westbrook, triple-double early in the third. And I'm not talking about a 20-point triple-double. It was like, what was the stat line? Russ's total like, stat line? Well, it was 20. It's like 20, 17, it, and 15. Or it was like, like 23, 17, 17, or something like That's that. That's unreal. He, he, he could have had a 20, 20, 29. I got it right to. here. Hold on. Russell Westbrook, 37 minutes, 9 of 19 field goals. I'll take that every night. Yeah, that takes, right. One of three, three-point line. Yep. The only eyesore, four of eight free throws. But 16 rebounds. Oh, sorry, 17 rebounds, 16 assists, two turnovers. No, sorry, two steals, four turnovers. I efficient. misread that. Um, plus 14. He had 23 points. Played efficient. Yep. And he could have had a 20-20-20 game if he wanted to. Uh, he got close. But uh, Here's an interesting stat from this game. Free throws. New Orleans was 8 of 12. The Thunder were 8 of 15. Um, so th- these two teams tonight combined for the same amount of free throws that James Harden took in New York. That's embarrassing. Oh, my gosh. That's terrible. But... Overall, uh, of, co- of course, you can't knock a win. OKC, it looked like, honestly to me, it looked like they knew they were a far superior team, especially when they're beating this team by nearly 20, roughly, most of the game. Like, after that first quarter, they just kind of pushed on the gas into halftime, kept on pushing on the gas in the third quarter, and the fourth quarter started. They were like, dude, why do we have to play? There's no Anthony Yeah, you could, you could tell they just no put it on cruise control. Yeah. yeah, There's no Anthony Davis. There's no Julius Randle. It's just it's just Drew Holiday, who is apparently making bucket for bucket for bucket for bucket. He got hot at the end. But you could tell they just were they're just packing it up, and you know it, it got a little scary. But at the end of the day, a win's a win. They, are they now, defended well at the end, I thought. They did in the set pieces. Uh, they are now a 30-win team. Hey, join the 30-win club. How many how many teams have 30 wins in the league now? Uh, Four, not, five? I'm not sure in the league, but I know they're third in the West. That's the third team in the West that's done it. Um, the Bucks, Toronto, definitely. I don't think the Pacers do. And I here I'm looking. Right I mean, now. there's there's only six five or there's really only five real teams. Four oh, real wow. teams left in the East. Uh, Boston 30 wins, Philly 32, Indiana 32, Toronto oh, yeah. 36, Milwaukee 34. That's because they beat up on all those bad teams in yep. the East, though. So that's one, two, three, four, five teams in the East with 30 wins. Brooklyn is the next team in line there. Brooklyn's, like, not playing bad. We'll I'm get we'll talk you, there's, about, no, there's no depth. They're 26 and 23, and they're sixth. Yep. Wow. Uh, and then in the West, we have three teams with 30 wins. Golden State with 34. Which did they win tonight? Yeah, they won. Okay, Denver with 31, Oklahoma City with 30. So, But, hey, 30 wins in the West is a big accomplishment right now. Yeah, uh, 30 wins in the West, and we're still three weeks from the All-Star break? Yeah, three weeks from the All-Star break. 
and OKC, you know, they're still going to add another player. We'll talk about that later. But enough about this game. Nick has a trivia question, and he says nobody will get this, and I want to know what the trivia question is. Well, before I get to the trivia question, because it is regarding three-point shooting, um, do you know who the leading, without, don't look it up, without, without looking it up, who's the leading three-point shooter on this team right now, percentage-wise? Percentage-wise? For the season? Percentage-wise. Yes. Raymond Felton. Well, is there a minimum, is there a minimum attempts? No. I mean, it's just highest three-point percentage. I'm saying Raymond Felton. (laughs) Call me out about you. Um, I want to say Raymond Felton, but just because Jake said Raymond Felton, I'm going to go ahead and say Abdul Nader. That is correct. That's not the, that's not the trivia question. I just didn't know if anyone knew. He's actually shooting 43.8% from three this year. Fire. Bang, 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 bang. He's got a second. Stroke. Second is Paul George with 38.9 and yeah. Terrence Ferguson is also 38.9. So all of a sudden, wow. don't look now. We have three guys that are at or right below forty percent shooting from three. Nice. Um, so the Raymond Felton's probably not even like top seven. Raymond Felton is eleventh on the team. Twenty. <laughs> God, 20%. I'm a goddamn idiot. Am I allowed to say GD on the podcast, or we have to beep that out? Uh, we, uh, I don't know. We live in the South, buddy. That's true. Okay, so the, the trivia question: If so, so taking out Nader because he's kind of. You know, an exception on this because Third party it, it's kind of a skewed small sample size. <laughs> um, for for their career, um, like talking about the, uh, the Thunder roster on on their career shooting percentages, Paul George is leading the team in career three point shooting percentage with thirty seven point eight percent. Who's second on this Thunder roster in career three point shooting percentage? I am going to say Alejandro Abrinas. Calmier. Give me again. Is there a minimum attempts? I it, it, only person that's exempt from this is Nader. Okay. Give <clears throat> me mm, Patrick Patterson. Damn it! You got both questions. Oh wow! I saw that stat today that Patrick Patterson is the second, you know, highest career three point shooting percentage, and it kind of just like. Surprised me considering you know Those that's, corners, what we, that's what we thought of him when we got him, but since he's been here, hey, he's no, been, everyone everyone kind of bashes him for being like not as good a three point shooter. He's been playing pretty well from the corners lately. Yeah, lately, but I feel I, like I think they said since December twenty third, he's like fifty percent from three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But month. I feel like but Nick is right. I feel like a lot of people after last season kind of write him off as a three-point shooter and don't yeah. realize he's the second-best career three-point shooter on this roster. Yeah. And that was the narrative that when OKC signed him... Was inconsistency. Was they're like, you're going to love him. He's going to move the ball really well. He's going to try really hard on defense. Um, he, he will drive you nuts because some nights he'll go three of three or three of four from three. Other nights he'll go like 0 of four, 0 of five from three. So he's inconsistent, but you know he's you'll love him, but you'll hate him too. But at thirty six point eight percent on his career, well, inconsistent or not, I guess you know from a game to game basis, he's been a consistently good three point shooter. Yeah, yeah, it's true. All right, you guys want to talk about the Thunder a bit? Like not this game, just in general. Yes, yeah, let's do it. Okay, first off, we have an All Star. As of about four and a half hours ago, when the announcements came out, the Thunder have an All Star. 
a starting all-star, although he might not start depending on how they pick the teams. I'm not sure exactly how that's going to work. Paul George is mm. starting for the West Front Court alongside LeBron James. Who and hasn't played in about uh, two weeks. Yep, and Kevin Durant. Who Apparently, Paul George and Anthony Davis <coughs> on total points tied for the, the, the last nod to get into the, the West starting. And Paul George, I don't know why he got chosen the, in the tiebreaker, how that works, but he will be starting for the West All-Star team this year. Nick, are you surprised? I am not surprised. If you're an MVP candidate, that means you're a top, top five, six player in the league. And even though we're in the stacked Western Conference, that should translate to a starting All-Star position. Definitely. I agree. Yeah. Are you are you surprised he tied with Anthony Davis? Um, I think Anthony Davis would have been a shoe in above Paul George if the Pelicans were a playoff team, but they're not. Or if he and, hadn't missed so many games. Right. And I, I think yeah, between missing games and not even being a playoff team right now, that hurt him a little bit. Yep. I agree. Were you guys surprised that Russ was not named one of the starting two backcourt players? No, he's been he's I mean, it's it's bad. It's bad to say that. Like, no, he's been bad, but he hasn't really been bad. Like, you look. He just at hasn't his, been Russ. You look at his statistics, and you're like, okay, like the dude's showing in night in and night out. His his free th- his field goal percentage is garbage. That's true. Yeah. Now, it, is it getting back to Russ Russ numbers like forty eight percent, fifty seven percent? Yeah, it's getting back there, and you can live with that. Like nine out of nineteen, nine out of twenty, you know, stuff like that. You can live with that, but. Early in the season, where this stuff was like really mattering, when he's you know when you're going three of twenty, when you're going three of seventeen, four of sixteen, whatever, it shows, and so I'm not, I'm not surprised at all to see Russ not on there because people are gonna you know they like they like numbers, they like points, and when they see oh he's struggling to put up points and Harden's over there putting up sixty points even though half of them are free throws, that's what people care about. So I'm not surprised at it at all, even though like. By the way, and this is another narrative, this whole narrative on ESPN that Harden has scored so and so on unassisted, you know, unassisted points. Like, isn't that called being a ball hog? Like, literally, nobody passes you the ball; you just take it and do what you want with it. <laughs> yeah, but don't tell ESPN that. Like, we literally call that a ball hog, unassisted points. But we're just gonna say, oh yeah, there there are points that were unassisted. He just took the ball up the court, didn't pass it to anybody, and he just went and scored it. That's what people want Russ to be, or that's what people paint Russ to be, but he's the assist leader in the NBA. So yep. Whatever. So that being said, flipping that, does the fact that he scored this many unassisted points and doing all these things unassisted make him potentially one of the better ISO scorers to ever play the game? I think he's one of the most annoying ISO scorers to ever play the game because he looks – it's not like – for me, Harden is different than Ginobili. Ginobili, did he flop? Yes. But I feel like Ginobili genuinely and authentically looked at ways that were crafty to try to score while possibly, you know, maybe in the act of getting hit. Whereas Harden, the dude literally seeks out contact and looks to make the bucket second. But but the question is, I'm not saying most annoying, does this make Harden one of the better ISO scores to ever play the game. If you, if you need someone, you're putting your life on the line to get two points on a, on a trip down the floor, whether it be free throws, 
drive into the hole, whatever it is. Is he not one of the most consistent at being able to do that? I'll say he's not one of the best ISOs. I will. I'll say he's not one of the best. He's not the best ISO scorer. I'd say he's one of the worst ones to defend. I'd say Kevin Durant and LeBron James are one of the highest ISO scores in the NBA. I'd say Harden is the hardest probably to defend because of how many ways he can get you in trouble as a defender. I think that's yep. a good point. That's I think fair. Kevin Durant might be the best isolation scorer just because of the length. You know, but I I do think yeah, it's I think this sounds weird, but I do think Kevin Durant is easier to defend than Harden because Harden is maybe the best manipulator to ever play the game. Is that fair to say? He he knows how to manipulate the refs in a way yeah. to to get exactly what he wants. You know, I mean, in, in, until until he stops getting those foul calls, there's no reason for him to stop playing exactly. the way he is. Like it's awful basketball, and I hate watching it, and I think it's bullshit. But if the refs are going to keep gifting him the whistle, like as a player, you got to keep doing it. Like and if, if 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 Russell Westbrook found a way to cheat the system, and and there was something he was doing on a nightly basis that was blowing people away, and people couldn't guard him because he was tweaking the rules. Thunder fans would be saying, hell yeah, keep doing it, Russ. Yeah. It's, it's but working. hey, I don't want to talk about James Harden anymore. To me, like... Oh, Comey's going to talk about James Harden more. getting to the point where, like, I'm getting nervous that they might still call those ticky-tack fouls for James Harden in the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good point. It's a good point. Speaking of the playoffs... I like my transition there. It was good. It was good. Speaking of the playoffs, let's talk about the Thunder's recent games. Uh, it's been a case of Jekyll and Hyde. They come out, they lose to the Wizards, they lose to Minnesota, they lose to San Antonio, a three-game losing streak. Then they win a game against San Antonio. Everything's looking great. They then go on and lose to the Hawks and lose to the Lakers. Things look awful again. Then they come out and they go up to Philadelphia and win. To New York, blow out the Knicks. They come home and play Portland, get a convincing win. And then tonight against the shorthanded Pelicans. Nick, what do you make of all this? I just think that the way we're shooting the three-point ball is the reason it's going to be a little bit inconsistent whenever we're relying on shooting the three-point ball this much and winning games. That way, I think on a night that you're cold, like we started off cold at the beginning of the year, games like that is going to be tough to win. And then, like we've discussed before, I think that the loses down the stretch were lack of effort. Yeah, I think the defense got very inconsistent um, throughout that losing streak. But the, like you mentioned, the the three-point shooting is, uh, to me, yeah, that's... The, the defense, I think... It's an effort thing, and on a game like tonight against New Orleans, I think a lot of the team looked at that injury report and said, oh, we can cruise control tonight, you know, play one strong quarter and we're good. And technically they were right, but up in Philly, you know, I thought they locked in really, really well and, like, found their identity, you know. And so it's um, it's an interesting thing as far as uh, – uh, the defense is concerned, but I, I'm a little more interested in the team's shooting over this stretch. Um, Three-point percentage over the last 10 games, Thunder are second in the league at 
Bang, bang. If you stretch that out to the last 15 games, the Thunder are 10th at 37%. So they're shooting the ball like really, really, really well. Like really well. And that's from, and we can use this as another transition, that's from guys like Paul George. We just talked about how Patrick Patterson is shooting the ball better. But probably the biggest development in the Thunder's increased three-point shooting is Terrence Ferguson. Without you a know, doubt. We, we've, we've talked about Ferguson a lot on our, on our post-game pods. Um, but after, I don't know if these stats are updated from, from tonight. I think they are. But for the season now, Terrence Ferguson is shooting 39% from the three-point line. We've been clamoring and clamoring that this team, for years, needs a 3 and D wing. Uh, do they have him? Yep. That's correct. They have him, and his name is Terrence Ferguson, and he is from Tulsa, Oklahoma. He is six foot seven, <laughs> and he will replace Andre Robertson forever. I yep. think he already has. Like yep. Obviously, because Andre's injured. But I don't think the the two guard spot is up for grabs because people want to talk about like well, we'll make this defense even better because let's not forget Andre Robertson's defense is just like elite level because he is one of the best defenders in the NBA before his injury. Mm-hmm. Now didn't didn't Oladipo go down with a similar injury than that Dre just did? Yes, they both Somewhat had ruptured similar. ruptured patellar in like. I'm reading stuff on Oladipo that says it could be career ending, which makes like me not okay, like. And we all knew this about Dre, that it's like you know the the road to recovery is really really long, and that there's no question if they'll ever come back. Yep. And really, well, you look at you know Oladipo, like he's such a dynamic athlete, and Dre, like same sort of deal except different skill set. Such a dynamic athlete. Yeah, Dre body. relies heavily on that athleticism he for his defense. And that's concerning to you because for Dre's well-being. But at the same time, you have a guy that's Terrence Ferguson. You know, you know, yeah, he is. Is he as big as Dre? No, Dre was what six eight, six nine. Dre was about six eight, but Dre was a lot thicker he's too. Thicker, and Ferguson's about six seven. And people don't think he's about six seven. They, people think he's like six five because how skinny he is. Yeah, um, because he he just needs to get more weight because he can. He can clearly hold. Yeah, he's twenty. He can clearly hold about 30 more pounds and probably not lose a step. I mean, that's just, just looking at football metric stuff. I don't know about basketball-wise. But he can gain more weight and not really miss a step. And the kid is hoisting from three. He's forcing people to guard him on the perimeter. People are running out to contest him. And it's not like Andre where people just stare at him and they just they just, people just people it's not like that they just stare at him at the three-point line and laugh like they did Dre. Like the is a force to be reckoned with outside, and now, in the past few games, what we've seen, he's now getting more confident. He's taking off the dribble shots. He's going off the dribble, making plays like in the lane. Yeah, making he's made some good passes recently. It's like, like off the dribble. So like, and that's the evolution of the off offense that Billy Donovan is wanting. Yep. And if he can continue to to grow in the offense as a twenty year old to get bigger to get a higher IQ that Paul George is coaching him up on every day and Russell Westbrook is helping him with every day. I mean, it just makes the team better. So now you're I gotta, looking 
what would you say, Nick? Go ahead. Go ahead. So you, now you're just looking at a, fi- a a a a starting five that if Grant has already outplayed his contract. Grant's already outplayed the money he got this past summer. Yeah. So his like, contract's already a steal. So you already got a squad back together for next year. You know, God willing, they stay healthy. And you have Dennis Shooter locked down. You have Abdul Nader locked down. And you're just really looking for pieces. You're filling the peripherals. To make everything else work. And they may not win the title this year. I mean, I don't think anybody's expecting that. I think they'll go decent amount because the defense will carry you far in the playoffs. But for the, you know, for the next three, four years, they look pretty good. Yeah. So Yeah, there's there's very few teams in this league that have you know, they're I mean, we have our top six guys locked in for the next few years. But like on on Terrence Ferguson, I remember this time last year and even towards the end of last year, we were talking about you know, there was fifteen games left in the year and we were talking about will Ferguson play more than a hundred minutes the remainder of the season? Will Ferguson play even one minute in the playoffs? And then we were talking about what if we would have drafted guys like OG and guys like Josh Hart and other guys that were drafted after him? And now, just you know, maybe six months later, we're talking about Ferguson was probably a big steal in this draft at 21. And looking at the guys in front of him, like people like Luke Kennard, he probably was worth a late, late lottery pick. Yeah, and I think that's what you find out with those later guys in the 20s anyways. Because, hell, like in those late 20s, you had guys that are, you know, Ferguson... Like OKC is one of the best developmental squads organizations in the league. Like people look at the Sixers, people look at the Suns, people look at other organizations and just like laugh at what they do with their with their with their players. And OKC is able to turn out Jer- Jeremy Grant. Like when he came to OKC via the trade from Ilias uh, with Ilias Oba in the first rounder, people said he's raw, which automatically at OKC fans means. Plays defense, he's athletic, and he can't shoot. Yep. Oh, I and, remember getting Jeremy Grant, and, and the only the only scouting tip anybody had on him was, wow, he can dunk really hard. That's about it. Yeah, yep. and so in OKC's turned him into reliable defender, kind of four or five switchy wing guy, very bouncy guy. Can like guy is starting to hit a mid range jump shot. First of all, like yeah, which off is, a pull up. Oh my gosh. Yeah, off the like people are closing out on that three. So he can step through and hit a little one dribble pull up J, his, which is huge for his arsenal. His free throws are actually becoming very reliable, and then now like he's offering dribble penetration and he's got some side to side shake. So then you look at Terrence Ferguson in his second year, like yes, he, earlier in the year he did not have confidence and it showed like he, it was bad. And that night that Russ worked with them and he's been staying with P. Learning from him, and he's just been working harder and harder, and it's like becoming smarter and smarter. And you look at those picks, like later in the twenties, Josh Hart, Kyle Kuzma. Um, oh, who else? Who else are in the tw- in the twenties that weren't those Lakers picks? Um, Jared, uh, oh, Allen. Jared Allen, Jared Allen, OG, 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 Ananobi, Derek White, Derek White. So these are guys that like these are in like like you said, Luke Kennard. Like that guy's not going to be anywhere in two years. Yep. No. Justin Patton went ahead of him, DJ Wilson, TJ Leaf. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of guys ahead of Terrence Ferguson that looking back, like he legitimately probably should have been right around the 13th pick. Well, hell, we, we OKC played Portland the other night. Zach Collins was a big pick for the Trailblazers. And this guy, I can't tell this center, really apart from Myers Leonard, they both shoot threes. 
They both try to block shots. They both look like they get tea at Starbucks. They both look like they wear Birkenstocks. <laughs> like, these are like the, the late 20 picks were pretty big steals for whoever got them in the draft. Yep. So yep. Specifically the Lakers. I mean, come on. Like, Josh Hart and Kyle Kuzma at the very end. Yeah, that's really good. That's unreal. Um, and, Nick, you mentioned this earlier. Like, at this time last year, we were asking, like, how many more minutes will Ferguson play this season? Uh, like, will like he, in a negative connotation. Yeah. Right? Will, will he see the court during the playoffs? And he played the second quarter of game one for about four minutes, and that was it. He didn't play again in, in that Jazz series. This season, is Ferguson going to get over 30 minutes a game in the playoffs? Yeah, probably. Yeah. Like, I think Ferguson's going to get, like, yeah, 35 minutes a game in the playoffs. Um, that just shows you the leap he's made. And this kid is five to six years away from his athletic prime. And yeah. I'm going to go a step further. I'm going to say that he's not only going to play th- over 30 minutes in the playoffs. Instead of Schroeder on the floor, he's going to be one closing games. Yeah, I guys. think it's going to be the starting five closing the games. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think people... Not that they're giving up on Diallo, but they're starting to. And I know I, I agree with them a little bit that he's hitting his rookie wall and yeah. that he's, you know, maybe not going to be as good this year as we thought he was going to be, even though he's still a good long-term prospect. That just goes to show you, like, there was a point last year where we were like, "Dang, Ferg is not even going to touch the floor in the playoffs." And then, just like we said, this six months later, he's going to play thirty minutes. Like a guy like Diallo. Also, we were talking about these guys we have on long contracts. We have our top six guys. If Diallo can turn into a decent player, that's a seventh guy we have on contract for a long time. Yep, and can you know? It, and it also shows you how much a full NBA season and an off season with those NBA coaches does for you, right? We saw the leap Terrence Ferguson took. Can Diallo make a similar leap? Diallo, uh, I think we would all agree Terrence Ferguson is a freak athlete. Diallo is probably a more elite athlete than Ferguson is. Um, you know, Diallo doesn't have, have the stroke, um, but he's got the athleticism. He's got some tools there to work with. So can Diallo become, um, you know, a, a, a solid wing player, a, a two slash three for this team um, and, and be kind of like a, a seventh man off the bench, you know? And I think that's kind of your hope, seeing how the Thunder are able to develop people. Diallo certainly doesn't lack the confidence. Yep. Yep. He Diallo just goes in there and hoops. And I think that's that's a good thing. You know, like you can't like come in this league without confidence because you won't last. All right, let's move on from from the Terrence Ferguson talk. Uh let's talk about some we we're a couple weeks away from the NBA trade deadline. Actually to Ooh, the day. Trade rumors. Couple weeks from the trade deadline. Next week our full podcast. Not, not the post games, but our full podcast will be nothing but trades. Ooh. I'm actually working on putting those trades together right now. I think you okay, guys. Okay, she's going to trade for Kevin Love. Ooh. Hold on. Ah. <laughs> I'm sweating. You tell me that motherfucker ain't hot. You're motherfucker. That's good. Okay, she's going to trade for LeBron James. <laughs> Oklahoma, City, Oklahoma City is not going to make a trade. Ooh. Giannis. Well, so trade rumors, um, you know, this is the time of year where everything starts to spike. According to Shams Charnia, Charnia, Charnia? Shams Charnia. I'm just going to call him Shams. According to Shams, um, on The Athletic, he said that 
rival execs and sources say that the Thunder are going to explore the ability to use their player exception that they got in the Mellow Trade. It's $10.7 million Woo! on a small forward or power forward who can shoot. So they want a little more size on that bench. Kind of makes sense. I think we would all argue that that's probably the, the place for them to upgrade as well. Uh, they need a wing. Right, Nick they need, Michael they need, Green, Nicholas Batum. They're not going to get Nicholas Batum. Nicholas you, you Batum. can't get him with your trade exception. He's oh, like twenty-four million. He's like a max contract. Yeah, he makes a lot of money. I, I think Jamichael Green is an interesting one. Jeremy I've, Lamb. I've also read that Jamichael Green is going to garner a lot of interest because Memphis is about to open the floodgates. Everyone is for sale, except Jaron Jackson. Jr. That except Jaron Jackson. Scary. Jr. Except Jaron Jackson Jr. Hey, because I'm open to having. You know how I feel about old boy down in Miami, not Dion. Oh God, I would give my left testicle and my right eye for Dion. Uh, why am I blanking on his James name? James Johnson. I freaking love James Johnson. Yeah, he would make some sense. He would, fit but so or the one of the Morris twins. Yeah, the Morris twins make some sense. Uh, recently, the name Rodney Hood has surfaced. How do you guys feel about Rodney Hood? I don't go to the hood. He's a bucket getter. He's a bucket getter. I wonder, is he a guy who can play in the playoffs? Is he a guy that would get rotation minutes for the Thunder in the playoffs? Absolutely. Oh, interesting. I mean, th- uh, think yeah. about think about our wing rotation. We got a bunch of young guys that have never been there, and we got a Brinus that has been sick for three years. Yeah, he's right. So why would Hood not get some of those wing and minutes? You would, you would honestly, I think you would supplant Nader's minutes for Rodney Hood. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. Interesting. Interesting. Well... Hey, if you haven't checked out the Thunder Trade Primer that we have up on the site, theuncontestedsports.com, I wrote a big trade primer about the Thunder's assets, what they can trade, maybe some possible targets, uh, some different thoughts and whatnot. So feel free to go check that out. We would really appreciate that. Uh, Before we go around the association, boys, because we have some stuff we want to chat about, let's look at this upcoming Thunder schedule. I want to look at the next four games. The Thunder have two games off. Two, not two games, two days off until they play the Milwaukee Bucks at home Sunday night. Then Tuesday, they play at Orlando. We'll drop another big podcast after that. That'll be our big trade preview podcast. Then they're at Miami, then at Boston. Okay, so one home game, four road games. Nick, I'm coming to you first. What is your prediction for the next four? We will go two and two. I think we will um, lose one. And win one against the the Bucks in Boston. Those two tougher games, and then I think we'll also split, split our games between the two teams that we should beat. So you think we split in Florida and then split the good games? Yep. Comier, I'm gonna go two and two as well. Uh, let's say they beat the Bucks in in the most OKC fashion, lose to Orlando and Miami, but then go to. TD Garden and beat Boston. That would that would not surprise me. That's the most OKC thing. I've I'm uh, I'm gonna take a step here. I'm gonna say three and one. Ooh, I'm wow. gonna say they probably drop the one at the TD Garden, but they'll win the other three. I think Orlando's strength is their big men, and the Thunder's big men rotation is elite defensively. Um, I think they will. I think Vucevic will get his points, but I think that he's it's going to take him a lot of shots to get there. I think Adams and Nerlens are going to be really well defensively on those guys. Nerlens. Um, so it'll be interesting. All right, you what guys. Do you go- say, oh. What do you say we write down our predictions we just gave? Winner gets Jimmy Johns next week. Jimmy Johns is garbage. But, yeah, we can do that. 
Loser, the two losers by the winner, Jimmy Johns. I'm okay, so Nick, but you guys have the same guess, two and two. But no, we're we're going the we're actual different, games, different, different games, okay. buddy. Kamiar has two and two. Kamiar has W L L W. Kamiar has W L L W. Nick had what? I'm going. I'm going W L L W. That's what Kamiar no, 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 just I'm did. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, W-W-L-L. There you go. And then I... That makes sense, too. I see that. Nick's looks like World War II. W-W-L-L. <laughs> Shut up. You're so dumb. <laughs> and then I am going www. Pornhub.com. <laughs> you can't say that on the podcast. They'll get a sponsorship. <laughs> I'm, going, I'm going WWJD. All right, let's go around the association. <laughs> All around the world Bring it around town Bring it around town Alright, so LeBron James, like we mentioned earlier Has been out for a while But he's still the Western Conference captain um, There's garbage. been kind of mixed reports On when he's going to come back Um what do you guys think of this Lakers team without LeBron? I know they started out rocky. Uh, they have beat us. They have, have won some games of late. Do you think this time with LeBron uh, not playing has helped them improve and, and doing you know different roles and having more imp- increased roles in certain areas? Um, or, do you, or do you think this was one of those things where their record's going to take a toll and they didn't get anything out of it? Um, that's an interesting question. You know, like I think... You know, obviously Kuzma has played a lot better with LeBron not not playing. Ingram's played a lot better with LeBron not playing. Now they've lost Lonzo for a while. But here's the thing: like it doesn't matter how they play when LeBron's not there, because when LeBron comes back, seventy-five percent of the possessions are going to be ran through LeBron. You know, so like I get that idea, but Kuzma being able to handle the ball and go off the dribble and pull up from three off the dribble and this and that. Like that stuff's not going to matter when LeBron James is there because you're going to be playing off ball with LeBron James. You know, like you need you have to fit to him. And so not having him there, they haven't got the practice to to fit with him if that makes sense. And so like, yeah, they they kind of stabilized their what like 6 and 9. Nice. Since since LeBron's been out, but um like you know, I, I, I think when LeBron comes back, they stabilize a bit and they start winning more games because LeBron's the greatest player on earth. But I don't know how much, like, the development time uh, really helped them out. You know, like, Ingram had the ball in his hands all the time, especially late in games. Yep. Like, that is going to be non-existent when LeBron yeah, he gets He was the back. go-to guy. Yep. Would you say, would you guys say that it's possible that playing with LeBron, because when you play with LeBron... A lot of times you're in spot-up situations. But also playing with Rondo, who is just pure facilitator and, again, gets you into spot-up situations for the most part. But then, again, at the same time, if LeBron and Rondo are on the floor, they're going to end up with the ball at the last hand. No, they're they're, they're going to take all the dribbles. Um, do you think it's possible that they've stunted the growth of that team so far, especially with Lonzo Ball getting hurt constantly? Yeah, I mean, I think... I think some of those young guys won't reach their full potential because they're playing with with ball dominant players like that. 
Like, I think that's fair. And then something that's recently popped up because of how the... Well, we can't say that, though. You know, we can say about Russell Westbrook because Victor Oladipo didn't play well here and then left and and excelled. But we can't say that about LeBron or Rondo. Well, I mean, like... Doesn't fit the narrative. I mean, I don't know. Victor Oladipo, as far as I'm concerned, his career went down the drain as soon as he stopped playing Westbrook. That was too soon. Anyways. Oh, God. I can't say that. (laughs) Jesus Christ. Uh, But, hey, like, I was thinking about this the other day. The Nets, they're playing well. I mean, they're in the East. Yeah. You know, still. But they're still playing well. Did, D'Angelo Russell's playing really good. Did Magic Johnson give up too soon on D'Angelo Russell? That's a good question because D'Angelo Russell's hooping. Like, he's hooping, hooping right now. But I don't think D'Angelo Russell would be that if he were still in the Lakers. Yeah, even if they didn't get LeBron, the Lakers right. were ready to put the ball in Lonzo's hands. You yeah. Know? That's terrible, man. Yeah, I know. Like, it goes back to that player development thing you talked about earlier. Right, like, like, what is Magic Johnson trying to build? You know, that's a, that's my question. And, and it's, I think it's a solid one. You know, like we talked about this back in the summer. Like, what the hell is that roster? Is it like, and and Nick, you might, <laughs> Nick, you might liken this a little more because, like, you kind of as a Cowboys fan are used to this. Is this literally more of a dog and pony show to where it's like, hey, everybody, come look at some superstars. We're not going to win a championship but we're going to be fun to watch and we're going to have some stars here? Or are they literally roster building? Because you can't tell. Yeah, it's confusing. Nick, what do you think? That's a shot fired because I saw the Steelers have three of the most talented offensive players in the entire league and still couldn't get in the playoffs. Yeah, they don't like Uh, each other. But on the topic of basketball, um, I don't know. I think think once again, like I've said all before the season – the way their roster is constructed right now with all these players that no one thinks fit together. LeBron every year at the trade deadline demands the team does something crazy. I feel like at least three of those guys on that team aren't going to be on the team post trade deadline. If you were to guess who they weren't going to be on, who was not going to be on that team right now, who do you think? Just name two I of them. Th- two of them? Yeah, two. I, I think Lance both. Stevenson and Contavious Caldwell Pope. Hmm. I think Contavious Caldwell Pope and Josh Hart. Ooh. Yeah, they've been think, talking a lot about moving both, Josh Hart, and I both, think that's weird. Both I mean, they're shooting, but they're gonna they're gonna ship out both their shooting guards and slide in a shooting guard that's that's a lot more elite. Interesting. I think. Um, Who do you think they? Yeah, I don't know. I think Josh Hart. Like, I don't know. How, he's probably already pretty close to his ceiling. You think so? Right. How, um, old, how old is Josh? Hart? Josh Hart was a, a four-year guy in college. Okay, I think. I, I didn't know that. Is that right? Am I crazy on that? I think. I think he played at like South Carolina or something like that. Uh, no, he's Villanova. He was Villan- He was okay. a Villanova kid. Yeah. Yeah. He. I think he's still like twenty three. Interesting. It's not that old. Josh yeah. Hart. Is he twenty three? Yeah, twenty three. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, good for him. Um, but you know, I. My thing is, I, Josh Hart might not have a super high ceiling, but I also don't think he has a really low floor. You right. know, I think he kind of is what he is. He might not get a whole lot better, I but I don't think he's going to be a whole lot worse wherever I think it's, he plays. I think it's situational because, like, you look at Buddy Heald, right? And he's now just, like, exploding yeah. onto the scene because of the year he's had, because of the years he's he's taken in the NBA to develop in his, his work ethic. Now, like, they found out he's a year older than he was. <laughs> yeah. And he was like, I tried to have been telling you guys for years. <laughs> like, that was, was a weird situation. I also think the system Buddy's in right now helps him out a lot, though, yeah. as well. You know, the run and gun, quick play. Right. And that's, type what, of he, game. that's what he did at Oklahoma. Yeah. And so, I mean, I don't know about Josh Hart, but I think I think it matters where you play. Right? Like, like you said, yeah, like the system. Definitely. But I, I really don't know about that team. 
Like I could see Lance Stevenson being shipped out because he's an idiot. I could see they're not going to get they won't they will not get rid of Kuzma. He's so important to that team for the future. Yep. They're not going to get rid of Lonzo. He's important for the future. Maybe depending on what LeBron wants. Yep. And then I can see I can see Lance and KCP being gone so fast. Yeah, I would agree. They're definitely going to be making some mix up the deadline. Um, but the next topic I want to talk about, DeMarcus Cousins is back. And that is scary because not only is he fitting in perfectly, he's actually evolving their offense. And now they're doing a pick and roll with massive boogie cousins rather than a pick and roll with Draymond Green. And it's like a way better version of what they already tried doing with Draymond and a lot scarier because boogie cousins can pop out and hit that three just like Draymond could. And he can also roll to the basket. And if you try to, you know, go over the screen to, you know, say guard Steph, then you got Boogie Cousins rolled to the basket with no one to stop him. Yep, it's unfair. I don't like it. Yeah, well, enjoy your one year of fame, Golden State Warriors, because you cannot pay everybody all that max dollars. Yep, they're losing two starters this summer, and Kevin Durant and DeMarcus Cousins. So. Well, I don't you think know. think they're going to lose two? I think you could – I think they might ditch Draymond. I think Draymond's got to get his shit packing. I think he, they're. I think they're going to see what – I think and I think that's another reason why the Golden State brought him in because, you know, I think it's quite possible they did to Draymond, and yeah, he's, he's also said that and he's, keep Boogie. He's also said well. Here's here's the thing though is Boogie signed a one year deal, so they don't have his bird rights. Well, who cares? So, so they have so unless Boogie signs another minimum contract. Yeah, that, they, that's I actually I actually read something saying Boogie, you know, is actually considering coming back on another one year deal. Dude, I, I might have. Uh, I want to say the F word, but I don't want to go back and beep this later. F that, dude. That pisses me off. Like, that pisses me off. But Our our, our culture is getting so soft, and he, winning yeah, a he would ring have to take it, not a so thing anymore. Boogie Cousins comes back, gets a ring, proves that he's healthy, and then he's going to sign again for $2 million when he could go out this summer and like this, there's going to be massive cap space, and he could go out and sign for... He could probably get a $25 million a year deal and said he's going to take two because he loves Steph Curry so much. Like, dude, screw that. Like, that pissed me off. That's stupid. Yeah, and his former running mate, Anthony Davis, I know we talked about this earlier, he's hurt again. I don't know what doctors he's seeing because one day we're hearing he's out one to two weeks, and then a couple days later they're saying, oh, it's actually worse. It could be WebMD. up to four weeks. <laughs> He's just and on then, WebMD. Finger cancer. <laughs> <laughs> and two days later now they're saying he could come back as early as next week, and he's being evaluated every 40, 48 hours. So I don't know what yeah. is going on with it's his weird, finger. Dude. I mean, it makes you almost appreciate OKC for being so conservative with their yeah. with their health issues. Like, yeah, he's going to be out a while. Just... Just don't get, just don't wait on it. Yep. I, you know, with AD, they're like, yeah, could be a week, could be a minute, don't know. Yeah, could be. He might be back tomorrow. Might be back next week. Could be back in twenty twenty two. Who knows? Hey, but that's a this is a constant issue for Anthony Davis. Dude, if you look at his injury list from the twenty eighteen nineteen season, it's like a full page. I'm just talking and about his career. Yeah. I, well, I'm just talking about one year. It's bad. His career is awful, as far as like injuries, and you know it. Granted, it's been nothing serious. It has been like an ACL or yeah. whatever, but it's just constant shit. There's like, something all the time with that dude. Let's let's say he's elite though. Let's but. say you you want to start a franchise, and your two options are Joel Embiid 
or Anthony Davis. One has a history. One has a big history of like an injury, but he still plays through it with the back. But the other one is always hurt during the year. Which one are you taking? Yeah, that's a really hard question. That's a really hard <laughs> question. I know. God. Now longevity, you're probably looking at Anthony Davis, right? Because it's small ticky tack injuries. Yeah. God, but I don't it's know. it's it's a it's a question that like these guys probably won't reach their athletic peaks and their and their peaks as far as players and their skill because they're always constantly being held out for you know twenty to thirty games a year. Yep, it's true. It's true. All right, last thing um, as far as trade rumors go and things you've heard, Kevin Love. Who do you think the biggest star? Is, is is you know who do you think the biggest name that's going to be traded at the deadline is oh, going to be? Oh, probably Kevin Love. I was just joking, <laughs> but I think Kevin Love. Um, I'd say Marc Gasol. That's a, he's a star now. We're calling Kevin. We're going to call Marc Gasol a star. I don't know. Is he? No. Marc Gasol's not... playing more than three games this year. Is yeah. that how many Kevin Love has played? Yes. Oh. <laughs> Marc Gasol's not a star anymore. What about Mike Conley? Is he's he a star? Not a star. No, he's okay. an overpaid, very good player. Okay. Um, I don't know then. If uh, I don't know, I think I I think Vucevic is going to be the biggest name. They've been talking about moving on from him, which I don't understand why they want to move on from him. He's been really good for the Magic this year. Yeah, I would trade Mo Bamba before I trade him. I think that's the that's the thing is um, freeing up room time for Mo Bamba and um, collecting assets. They really want to make the playoffs, but they're slumping really hard. So I wouldn't be surprised if, especially Terrence Ross, they they love Terrence Ross for his ability to get mm. them to the playoffs, but he's on his last year of the deal. If you can move on from Terrence Ross and get a pick or something for him, I think they probably do that That'd as be well. A great deal at Ross, just like when you shop at Ross, you get great deals. I hate going to Ross. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I Memphis is going to blow it up, though. I'm convinced Memphis is blowing it up. Orlando is going to be some sellers. Chicago, uh, Cleveland will be sellers. Atlanta will be sellers. The Knicks will be sellers. Dennis Smith Jr. is going to be moved. Ennis Cantor. Yeah, Ennis Cantor probably gets traded. Is Jabari Parker going to get moved? There's been talks of Jabari Parker to the Knicks and the Knicks sending Cantor out, um, but but Chicago doesn't want Cantor, so they'd have to find a third team to facilitate that. So that would be interesting. I don't know how that's gonna how that's gonna play out. Is Melo gonna be the hottest and biggest name player to move this trade deadline? God, that'd be awful. I think it's possible. They might trade Chicago. I think wants to trade Melo again, and if they can't, they're gonna buy him out afterwards. Because they've I already wonder, they've already said Melo won't play a minute. A way, wonder if there's a way for us to be the third team in a deal like that with Cantor and Jabari, to where we can still use our trade exception somehow on a player on one of those other teams and somehow in a three-way deal get a guy with bigger money than what our trade exception's worth. I don't think that... I Like, logistically, like, the way the rules are set up, I don't think that works. That would be interesting, though. Um, okay, here's... You, you, wanna, you want a hot trade take? Yes. This will be my hot trade take, my little teaser going into like next week. Um, the Houston Rockets are going to end up with Tim Hardaway Jr. Who are they going to give up? They'll figure it out. <laughs> Mainly the first round pick. Probably like uh, Brandon Knight, Marquise Chris, and a first round pick. I would not do that at all. Fear the Knicks? No. 
the next one to clear cap space and trading for those two guys clears your books because is it Hardaway Hardaway making Hardaway like fourteen or fifteen million? I didn't realize that's a lot of money. Yeah, and um, Hardaway's got three years left on his deal. Yeah, at about seventeen. So each. if Houston can give them cap relief and uh, and a draft pick, I think the Knicks would take that because the Knicks want to have cap space this summer for free agency. Yeah, the Knicks would have three point guards that are, were supposed to be good and never panned out then. Yeah, uh, who? Moody A. Nilakina. Nilakina. And who's the third? You just said oh, they're getting from Houston. Brandon Knight. Knight. Brandon Knight, yeah. Brandon Knight. But they still have Chris Depp's Porzingis. Yeah, apparently he's disgruntled too because he's ready to play and they're holding him out the rest of the year. Yeah, I would be too. So. What? what, what, what? They're going to clear all that space and get and freaking. Like, and with. with. They're going to get like They're... Zach Randolph or something in free agency. <laughs> well, do you, you guys know that's exactly how it's going to work. A team like the Knicks that are desperate this summer with all that money. Is they'll they'll over, max someone out that doesn't gonna, need a max. Exactly. And it's going to be the same cycle as 2016. And people like Nicholas Batum are going to be on max contracts. And two years later, you're going to say, how the hell did they get that contract? Yep. You know who's going to get max this summer? Who? Chris Middleton. You think so? He's gonna get maxed. I, I I could see that. I'll bet somebody here ten bucks right now. He gets maxed. I could see that because like Milwaukee's gonna have to max him if they want to keep him. He looks yeah. like a hamster with long arms and legs. He kind of does. He looks like the hamsters in the Kia Soul commercials. Yeah, it's pretty weird. You just broke my chair. No, I just dropped my phone. Oh, okay. You guys ready to end this podcast? Yo, this is really good podcast right now. Here we go. Hold on, I gotta turn the volume down a bit. <laughs> oh, that's the wrong post-game podcast music oh well i'm going with it hey thanks for checking out the podcast we appreciate you guys if you don't follow us on twitter at the underscore uncontested call me r is at boomtown rw that's me nick is at two cranes c-r-a-i-n-z i am at thundermob 405 subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts at we drop post-game podcasts after every game of the season they're nice, short, little 15, 20-minute pods that are perfect for your commute to or from work or school or wherever you drive to, uh, dropping off a dead body at Lake Thunderbird, whatever. It's a perfect time to podcast. And then we have these big group pods as well. Next week, big trade deadline podcast because the deadline is coming up very soon. You guys, enjoy your weekend. No Thunder basketball till Sunday night. And as always, Thunder up. Thunder up.